Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and I have a problem. In my genetic makeup, I have what I call the cheap gene, and opposite that, I have what I call the it-must-be-perfect gene. Now, I like things to be cheap or inexpensive, and I like things to be perfect. And the problem is, these two opposing genes compete for dominance in just about every aspect of my life, including cars. And when your brain wants a used car that's both perfect and cheap, you've likely set yourself up for failure, with the exception of a handful of vehicles, including today's better-than-new vehicle, which is an SUV. Now, this SUV is cheaper than it should be because a lot of people forgot about it, or they never knew what it was in the first place. And if you find the right example, it makes for a nearly perfect personal or family commute to work, haul your kids, haul your stuff, and go on a getaway vehicle that is really affordable. And I'll tell you what this cheap and nearly perfect used SUV is and why you may want one in just a moment. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. Now, you may recall from the driveway apocalypse episode two weeks ago, where I also reviewed a second-gen Nissan Xterra, that a tree fell on our family's personal cars, totaling our Toyota Highlander and damaging our Audi wagon. And, of course, this tug-of-war between my cheap gene and my must-be-perfect gene is impacting my insurance claim for these cars as well. So, our insurance is set up where a single mishap to more than one vehicle can be treated as one claim. And that means I pay only one deductible charge, which is music to my cheapskate ears, right? However, I need to get the repair estimates for both cars before I can move forward with the claim. Now, typically this wouldn't be a problem, but prior to the tree damage, the Audi was in need of a new valley pan gasket and an oil filter housing gasket. A job that costs around 250 bucks in parts if I do the work myself, or more like $2,500 for parts and labor if I go to a shop to do the work. Now, of course, being cheap, I went with the DIY option, and being even cheaper and sort of lazy, I'd put off the repair until such time when I really needed to drive the car. But wind blows down tree, tree falls on car, car needs repair estimate, and, well, that time is here. And now, I not only get to do a day-long partial engine teardown before getting the estimate, I was also paralyzed for a couple of days by another cheap versus perfect conflict. So to do the job perfectly, I was thinking, you know, I might order some extra parts in case I find something else that needs to be replaced while I'm in there, like maybe a valve cover gasket or an oil cooler gasket or something. You know, that makes sense to my inner perfectionist. However, my inner cheapskate was thinking, if I don't need those parts, I just wasted money buying them in advance, you know, just in case. Well, in this particular case, cheap won out this time on the gamble that everything else is going to be fine, but who knows what's in store for me when I actually crack that engine open. So, what do all my cheap versus perfect conundrums have to do with you? Well, absolutely nothing. Other than the fact that I wanted to demonstrate how the cheap gene fouls up the must-be-perfect gene and vice versa when it comes to cars. And if you too suffer from this I-want-it-cheap-and-I-also-want-it-perfect malady, Today's better-than-new used SUV might provide some help. It's the second-generation Isuzu Trooper sold in the U.S. for model years 1992 through 2002. Now, before you run away thinking, oh, that's too old, I don't want that, 
Hear me out because Isuzu's trucks and SUVs were really robust, capable vehicles that were also quite reliable. So reliable, in fact, that Honda rebranded the Isuzu Rodeo as the first Honda Passport. And they also rebranded the second-generation Isuzu Trooper, the SUV we're talking about today, as the Acura SLX SUV, sold from 1996 to 1999. And this was before Acura introduced their first in-house-built SUV, the MDX. Hey, it's good enough for Honda. It should be good enough for the rest of us, right? Now, another fun Isuzu fact is this. While you probably don't think about it, it's very likely you pass an Isuzu vehicle on the road at least once or twice almost every time you go out for a drive. That's because even though Isuzu stopped selling passenger cars here in the U.S. in 2009, they continued to sell their N-series box trucks in the U.S. for business use. I mean, they're like everywhere. They're like cockroaches. Well, maybe not cockroaches, but, you know, they're kind of everywhere. You see them all the time, and yet you look right past them. So, assuming you're starting to buy into this idea that, yeah, okay, maybe a second-generation trooper could be your next weekend adventure SUV, or your haul-the-kids, haul-the-dog, haul-your-stuff family SUV, then let's take a closer look at some of the reasons why you might want a second-generation Isuzu Trooper. Now, you might want a second-gen Isuzu Trooper if you want a competent, off-road-capable family truckster or personal adventure vehicle, but you're cheap, like me, and you don't want to pay a lot of money. Well, the second-gen Trooper definitely fits because even the best examples are really affordable. Now, you might want a second-gen Isuzu Trooper if you like to keep things neat and tidy, so you store them in a box. And the Trooper is basically a box, which makes it perfect for carrying your people and all your stuff to your next adventure. Now, you might want a second-gen Isuzu Trooper if you like old-school 4x4s. And that means you've probably been looking at Toyota 4Runners and Land Cruisers, but you're shocked at the high prices for high-mileage vehicles. Well, compared to a similar year and mileage 4Runner or Land Cruiser, the Trooper is often thousands of dollars less. So it's a great buy in comparison. And finally, you might want a second-gen Isuzu Trooper if you like the idea of finding a hidden gem. Now, the second-gen Trooper is like that hidden fishing spot or secret camping spot that you never tell anyone about because if you did, it would be overrun with Instagrammers looking to one-up their adventure pals. This is a truly great adventure and day-to-day -day SUV that's hidden from view in plain sight. And all you have to do is put some effort into your search, then be patient, and a near-perfect example at a reasonable price can be yours. Okay, so those are some of the reasons why you might want a second-gen Isuzu Trooper. But what are some of the other things that make it great? Well, first off, it's a quality vehicle. Isuzu SUVs were always good quality vehicles. So good, in fact, like I mentioned earlier, Honda and Acura rebadged them as their own here in the U.S. They're also what I call a GBT, or good basic truck. Good basic trucks are those body-on-frame vehicles that are sturdy, with enough ground clearance for most adventures. This particular truck, the Trooper, has 8.5 to 9 inches of ground clearance. That's a lot of ground clearance. You can go a lot of places with that. And like all body-on-frame SUVs, you can easily lift this for more ground clearance if you need to. It also comes with part-time four-wheel drive with a high-low gearing transfer case. 
real standard stuff for a traditional truck or SUV. And in the back, it also has a limited slip differential. Now, it's not a locking differential, which is probably most ideal for really hardcore off-road stuff, but a limited slip differential is kind of perfect for something that's going to be driven both off-road and on the pavement, okay? Another thing that makes it great, like I mentioned earlier, it's a box. It's a big box, and it's easy to haul all your stuff. It easily fits inside, and the seats fold down and tumble forward, so you've got plenty of room in the back. It's got a ton of room inside. Along the lines of having a lot of room, it's also open and airy inside with an expansive view out the large windows. Compared to modern SUVs that are like little tank slot slits that you have to look out of, it feels like you're sitting in a sunroom, not inside of an SUV. And all of that stuff adds up to an SUV that's sort of a no-excuses, adventure-ready vehicle. It's great. You can just take it out and use it whenever you want to. And it's not so precious that you don't want to use it for what it's intended. So years ago, we used to have a Subaru GL wagon. That was a 1983. And whenever we needed to go into the city, if we were going to go out to dinner or something like that, instead of taking our nice car, we'd take the Subaru because we always knew that somebody was going to, you know, run into it when they were parking, you know, bump up against it, rub against it, you know, push a shopping cart into it, that sort of thing. So we'd take that car. We didn't care. Well, this is one of those vehicles that you don't care as much about. And I'm not saying you don't care about it like, You want it to get damaged. You definitely don't want that. But again, it's not so precious that you don't want to just take it out and use it. It's also not so precious that you'll feel bad turning it into an off-grid overlander if that's what you want to do. It'd be great for that purpose. And finally, good ones are still very affordable. It's a really affordable used SUV. Okay, now it's not all wine and roses, you know, rainbows and butterflies, unicorns and stars. Little moons and clovers. (laughs) Whatever. It's not totally perfect. So let's dig into some of the things that not so great about the Isuzu Trooper. So first of all, this is the elephant in the room, the big thing. Isuzus are no longer sold in the U.S. They haven't been sold here since 2009. That's going to scare some people. And it probably does impact the availability of things like interior and exterior parts. Things like engine parts, suspension parts, stuff for service and repairs, those are still available. You're not going to have problems getting the car repaired at a repair shop. But things like bodywork, you know, that sort of repair, you got to think about that a little bit. Along the same lines, there are no Isuzu dealers for service. But like I said, you can still take it to any local mechanic and they should be able to fix it. If you need a timing belt or you need to replace the radiator or got to do a coolant flush or change out the transmission gear oil, that sort of thing, any competent local service shop can handle that for you. These aren't complex vehicles, okay? Another thing to consider is that these are old 4x4s. The newest troopers are now more than 20 years old, and there are not as many good ones left with low miles and minimal owners. You can blame that on a lot of things, you know, just time and use, attrition, cash for clunkers, the salt that they put on the roads back east. You know, a lot of these things rust away. There's just not as many of them left. And maybe the final thing about what's not so great is that, I gotta say it, your ego may not handle it. Okay? Now, like I said, it's an older SUV. It's a used SUV. Now, while your cool car friends will totally get it, and they may place you on a pedestal, Your normie friends, your neighbors, maybe your significant other, may look at you and think, you know, you're a little weird. Or broke. Or both. 
right? So there's that. Ego might get in the way. Now, all that said, I still think the second generation Isuzu Trooper represents an incredible value when it comes to traditional body-on-frame 4x4 SUVs from that era. So with that in mind, let's dig into some of the notable features and changes that the second-gen Trooper offered over its 11-year run. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the second-generation Isuzu Trooper was available in the U.S. from model years 1992 until 2002, but knowing the notable changes in feature enhancements made to the Trooper over time will help you decide which model year and configuration is most desirable for you. Okay? So starting with 1992, there were two trim levels. There was a base level called the S, and there was a more upscale or luxurious level called the LS. Now, the base models got a 175 horsepower, single overhead cam, 3.2 liter V6 engine, and the luxury LS model got the dual overhead cam version that made 190 horsepower. Anti-lock rear braking was standard, and four-wheel ABS was optional, but only on the LS. The five-speed manual transmission was standard as well, and an electronic four-speed automatic was optional on both trim levels. Now, the part-time four-wheel drive, which came on the Isuzu Trooper, included a floor-mounted high and low transfer case lever and automatic locking hubs. And this was a 4x4 system that was not intended for use on drive pavement, so just keep that in mind. Now, the big news for 1993 was Isuzu introduced a two-door version of the second-generation Trooper, known as the RS. And it was only a two-year vehicle, so it's kind of a unicorn, didn't really last long, it's really pretty desirable on the used market as, you know, it's a one-of-a-kind sort of thing. You're probably not going to find one, but I want to let you know that that was an option. So if you run across one of those, you'll be like, hey, what's this? Well, that's what it is. Now, in 1994, four-wheel ABS became an option on both the S and RS models for the first time. So that was cool. And four-wheel ABS became standard on the top-of-the-line LS. Rear-wheel ABS remained standard on the lower-price models. So... That continued. Then in 1995, the big news was dual airbags. They were added for the first time to the Trooper. 1996, Troopers got a shift on the fly 4x4 system for the first time, which is great. You don't have to stop the vehicle and then shift into four-wheel drive and then go again. You can just, on the fly, push a button. Also in 1996, all the trim levels got a 3.2-liter single-overhead cam V6, but this one made 190 horsepower. So all of the V6 engines available made 190 horsepower. No more 175 in the low-end models. And 1996 was also the first year of the Trooper-based Acura SLX SUV. Okay? So this is the first year that Acura offered their version of the Trooper. They didn't call it the Trooper. They call it the SLX, but you get it, right? In 1997, the big news was four-wheel ABS became standard on all Trooper trim levels. From a safety standpoint, that's great. So for 1998, there were several big changes, including a facelift. So the Trooper got a new grille, a new bumper, headlamps, and front fenders, and at the rear, it got a smooth, body-colored, hard spare tire cover instead of the old vinyl cover. And personally, I like the vinyl cover better, seemed to fit more with the, you know, kind of rugged off-road look of the Trooper, but hey, now it has a body-colored hard cover on the back spare tire. Uh, the other two big things for 1998 were it came with a larger, more powerful 3.5-liter V6 engine. This engine made 25 more horsepower than the previous motor and 42 more pound-feet of torque. 
So that's a big deal. That was over the 3.2 liter. So that was a big thing. And then also there was a new full-time four-wheel drive system called Torque on Demand. And that was available on all troopers with the four-speed automatic transmission. So this was a system that normally operated in a rear drive mode, but could automatically sense wheel slip and then send up to 50% of the power to the front wheels when the slip was detected. But again, only available on the four-speed automatic. If you got a manual transmission trooper, you didn't get torque on demand. You got the regular shift-on-the-fly four-wheel drive system. Now, 1999, the one change that, you know, really doesn't matter that much is they added a first aid kit. It became standard on all troopers. Yeah, I guess that's nice to have. And 1999 was also the final year of the SLX version of the Trooper. They only ran that thing for four model years, 96 through 99. And Acura stopped selling it to make room for the upcoming MDX, which was launched as a 2001 model, but sold initially in 2000. So that's the reason they stopped selling the Trooper-based SLX. Now in 2000, there was an interesting introduction of rear-wheel drive-only models. Those became available, and that was part of an expanded lineup they were trying to do with the Trooper. So think about this. If you want a four-wheel drive Trooper, and you're looking at a 2000 through 2002 model, you need to be sure that you're getting four-wheel drive and not a two-wheel drive model. You know, if you call somebody on the phone, you need to ask, hey, is this four-wheel drive? Because if you don't, and you go look at it, and you realize later, hey, wait a minute, it's not four-wheel drive. They say, yeah, you didn't ask. I didn't tell you. Well, you might want to ask about that, okay? And I guess in 2000, there was also a slightly revised front grille and rear taillights, but the difference is negligible, so you're not probably going to notice much. Then in 2001 and 2002, there were really no substantial changes, and that was the end of the line for the second-gen Isuzu Trooper. Okay, so which of these features are most important? Well, if you're concerned about safety, certainly the dual airbags added in 1995 is something you want to think about. And also along the lines of safety, the four-wheel ABS was optional up to 1996, and then it was available across the board on all trim levels from 1997 onward. So if you want ABS, anything 97 and onward, it's going to have four-wheel ABS, anti-lock brake system. Now for convenience... The shift on the fly four-wheel drive that was available from 1996 onward is nice to have. Like I mentioned earlier, if you're driving along and you want to shift into four-wheel drive, on the earlier models, you had to pull over and then shift into four-wheel drive and then go again. With shift on the fly, you just push a button and continue on your way. You don't have to slow down or stop or do anything, okay? Now, in terms of power, you likely at least want a 190 horsepower version of that 3.2 liter V6. And the 190 horsepower V6 was optional through 1995 and then standard from 1996 to 1997. And then in 1998, the 3.5 liter was added, and that's the one with 215 horsepower and 230 pound-feet of torque. So 1998 through 2002 had an engine with the most horsepower, okay? And finally, I personally would prefer the manual transmission cars over the automatics overall. But if you want an automatic, I would do some research on the torque on demand full-time four-wheel drive that came on the automatic troopers from 1998 onward. There's some people out there that have had issues with those. There's sensors in the system that detect the slip and they've claimed that their TOD or torque on demand system stopped working and it was expensive to replace some of the sensors. 
Okay, that stuff happens. So if you do buy one of those 98 through 2002 cars with an automatic, make sure that that TOD system is working properly. Because if it stops working, then I'm thinking that you wouldn't have four-wheel drive anymore, which would be a bit of a problem on a car that you need four-wheel drive for, right? So think about that. Okay, so what else should you look for on an Isuzu Trooper? You want to start with the basics, all right? And the basics always start with condition. Condition, condition, condition. It's like real estate. Location, 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 right? You want to find one in good condition. And that starts with the simple stuff like finding one with minimal owners. One or two owners if possible. Now, it's tough to do on an older vehicle, but it is possible, so... I would go for that if you can. You also want to find one with maintenance records that can prove the mileage and the repairs were done to the vehicle. So let's assume the car's got 80,000 miles, which would be really low for a 1990s Isuzu Trooper. And you looked at the maintenance records, and there were maintenance records that show you know, the mileage at 40,000, then 50,000, then 60,000, then 80, then 100, then 120 Oops, wait a minute, <laughs> you're beyond the mileage on the odometer. So the maintenance records aren't matching up with the mileage. So there's something wrong, right? Or on the flip side, the maintenance records and the mileage on those records matches up perfectly. So there's a way to kind of tell and confirm that the mileage in the car and the repairs that were claimed to be done were actually done. And that comes from those records. So you want those. You also want to confirm that it hasn't been in an accident. And it also doesn't have a salvage or a rebuilt title. And you want to do all of this vetting in three separate ways. You want to start by vetting by just looking at the ad. There's going to be an ad on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or wherever you look for cars. And then secondly, you want to do that vetting again by phone with the owner. You want to ask these questions of the owner. How many owners? Do you have maintenance records? Can you confirm that it's accident-free, that there's no salvage title or rebuilt title, right? And if they say, yeah, everything's fine, everything's good then you want to vet it a third time in person. So you've gone through all those layers and you're, you've gotten to the point where you said, yeah, this sounds like a pretty good option. I'm going to go check out this car. Well, by the time you're there in person, then you really want to pay close attention to the common things to look for in any used car or truck. And you also want to slow down. You want to take your time because the owner's a captive audience at that point and you want to just take this time to just relax and focus on the car and start to pay attention to things like, you know, is there rust? Is there rust on painted surfaces on the exterior? Is there rust on the frame and the suspension underneath? You know, do the body panels line up on the car? Is the color between the panels consistent? Do all the body panels have the VIN codes to make sure they match the VIN on the title? Right? That's important. You know, you want to go take the car for a test drive. How does it drive? How does it feel? You want to try the brakes. You want to go around some corners and feel the suspension work. Make sure that the thing isn't bouncy and worn out. There's a lot of things that you want to do, but you want to kind of slow things down. And once you're there in person, you can slow it down a little bit. Even if they say, well, I've got a bunch of people calling me. Hey, so what? You're there. Take the time to check it out. Okay? And once you've vetted it to the point where you think, this might be the one... You can take your phone and, if you want, do a Carfax. This would be a final confirm or hope to confirm that there's no rebuilt or branded title, that this car hasn't been in an accident, that there isn't a bunch of repair work that didn't show up in their maintenance records, right? It's just a last opportunity to check. And then the final one is, if you really like the vehicle, then make a deal 
and do a pre-purchase inspection. Make sure you have a mechanic available that's familiar with the trooper who can check it out and make sure that there's no major issues that need to be fixed. Okay, assuming you found a second-gen trooper that you like and you think you might want to buy, what should you pay for a second-gen trooper? Well, good question. So starting at the top, 12000 to a little bit less than 14000 seems to be what you're going to pay for a great low-mileage second-generation trooper. Now, if you want to check out some prices, go check out bringatrailer.com. There you're going to find from 2022 that there were three second-gen troopers sold with similar specs for somewhere between $12,000 and just under $14,000. All of these had the same kind of spec. It was a five-speed manual transmission. So the manual's kind of the kind of the holy grail, sort of the unicorn. Well, not really a unicorn, but it's what people want and they're willing to pay more for. An automatic is not going to get as much money, just to be really straight with you. Also, each of these cars had the lowest horsepower engine. So horsepower wasn't really the defining factor here. They were all the 175 horsepower 3.2 liter. And they were all older. I think they were all under 1996. They were not the newer version. Now, there was one sort of anomaly that was, I think, $40,000, but it only had 500 miles on it. That's so far out of the norm. You're just not going to find cars from 2001 that have 500 miles on them. That was maybe bought by, I don't know, Isuzu's Museum or something. Who knows? But for us normal people, you're going to pay $12,000, $13,000-ish to get a really great low mileage trooper. When I say low miles, I think these were between one had 63,000, one had 72, and another one had 80,000 miles. So that's really low for a 20, 22, 24-year-old car. Now, from a savvy private party, I would expect to pay for something that's really in nice condition, similar condition, maybe somewhere between eight to $10,000. You know, auction sites tend to drive up the prices a bit if you've got people competing for a vehicle. Although the prices on Bring a Trailer are really accurate in terms of the highest somebody's really going to want to pay. They're real prices, so there's that. And a private party owner might know that, and they might ask $12,000 or more for their similar car. Again, I would expect to pay 8000 to 10000 for a similar condition, 1995, 1996, five-speed manual with the 3.2 liter V6 in 70, 80,000 mile range, okay? Now, stepping down from that, there are going to be a lot of really good, solid troopers in the $5,000 to $7,000 range. Now, you're not going to find them all the time. You may have to look for a while to find them, but they do pop up, and they're usually something that somebody bought, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. They bought it new, or maybe they handed it down to their, you know, son-in-law, daughter, or whatever. Then that person kept it for 10 years, and they're just not driving it, and they put it up for sale. And they went to Kelly Blue Book and they said, hey, you know, what's my car worth? And they ran the numbers. So I ran the numbers on the Bring a Trailer car from, I think it was the one for sale in December of 2022. It's the one that sold for 12000 And basically, Kelly Blue Book said that particular car should be $4,000, 4300 or something like that. That's one third the price that it sold for on the auction website. So... Which price is real? Well, the price that it's sold for. The price of a car is what somebody's willing to pay you on the day that you sell it. And in this particular case, people were willing to bid it up to $12,000 and buy it. 
Okay? So that's what it's worth. Kelly Blue Book might say it's worth 4000 And a lot of people who don't take the time to really dig any further might put their car up for sale in really nice shape and say, well, I guess I'd be happy if I got 3500 Well, that's a great deal for you because that car won't last long, but if you get there first, you get to have that car for a really, really reasonable price. Now, if you're really willing to go to the basement, and I call this sort of the grab your spear and go on a long hunt, you can easily find these things for less than $5,000. They're out there and in really nice condition, but the good ones are going to go really, really quickly. And then they're probably going to show up two months later on Bring a Trailer and sell for ten or 15000 right? But if you want to get one for yourself, take your time, keep watching Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, etc. Spread your search area much wider. I live in the Seattle metro area, you know, about 20 miles out of town. But I would look in Boise. I would look in Portland. I would look up and down the West Coast, frankly. I'd look in San Jose, San Francisco, Reno, Los Angeles, Yuma, Phoenix. I would kind of look all through that area and... That's how you're going to find a really great trooper for a really reasonable price. Now, the only thing you're going to run into on the really low price models is people who are selling at a really low price probably aren't going to wait for you to get on a plane and fly to L.A. to buy their car unless they're desperate. And the fact is, if they're selling it super cheap, there's going to be somebody down there that wants it. So that might be a little bit tough to get something like that. But if you find a perfect condition $7,500 trooper, that has all the specs that were on those cars that were sold on Bring a Trailer, yeah, that might be worth getting on a plane and flying to San Francisco and driving it home. I would do that. I'm crazy enough to do that. You should be crazy enough to do that too because these things are that good. So there you go. The Suzu Trooper, if you've been looking for a classic SUV, this little box on wheels could be your favorite SUV ever. I love them. So, after all that, I hope your I want it cheap gene and your it must be perfect gene agree, at least somewhat, that the second generation Isuzu Trooper just might be the best old school body on frame 4x4 SUV to meet your need for an affordably priced yet perfectly capable SUV that can confidently and reliably haul you, your family, and your gear on an adventure to the mountains or the mall in all types of weather without complaint. I know the Trooper certainly fits that criteria for me, and I'm a very picky perfectionist who is cheap to the core. So that's saying something. Okay, so that's it for this episode, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can continue to bring you new episodes to help you find your next cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. And with that, thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.